The Old Testament reading for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost comes from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 13. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. 
when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Napoleon rose to power during the years of the French Revolution and he became emperor in 1804. And once he did, he implemented numerous reforms. He established a centralized government and he embarked on a military campaign to increase the size of France. However, his ambitious military campaigns eventually led to his downfall. And Napoleon's rise to power collapsed through a combination of military setbacks, overextension, and the determination of other European powers not to let him take over their territories. They halted his expansionist ambition. And his story serves as an example of the precarious nature of unchecked ambition. The disciples that are listening to Jesus here in our gospel lesson today, they may have been wondering whether Jesus' ministry, whether his rise, his influence weren't coming apart and about to collapse. By the time we get to this chapter in Matthew, chapter 13, John the Baptist is in prison. The Pharisees, instead of embracing Jesus' message, are plotting against him, plotting to destroy him. They believe that the power that he has, the power to do miracles, that these are coming from the devil, from Satan himself. Jesus' own mother and brothers have come to try and talk some sense into Jesus. Even they think that Jesus is out of his mind. The crowds that are following Jesus are not following him for the right reasons. We know that. They're looking for signs, they're looking for miracles, they're looking for healing, but they're not looking to accept Jesus as the king that he is. 
They're not repenting of their sins and putting their faith in him. And eventually they will abandon Jesus. One would expect, of course, that if the Son of God came down from heaven to earth and preached the good news that the kingdom of God was near, that Jesus himself, God in the flesh, was here to set things right, that he would be welcomed with open arms, with great fanfare, with a ticker tape parade down Mount Sinai Boulevard. But instead, the winds of opposition have begun to blow against Jesus, against his message, and in the case of the scribes and the Pharisees, even against his miracles. And the winds are just blowing harder and harder. The people have hardened their hearts against God's word. They refuse to listen. They refuse to hear. And so the message is veiled. And Jesus speaks in parables. It's still there, but most are not going to understand. The Holy Spirit will still work faith when and where he wills. Some will come to faith, but the people as a whole are going to reject Jesus. And his rise is going to collapse. Jesus' preaching has certainly not met with success as we would define success today. Not as we define success out there, even in religious circles. Uh, the megachurch, the uh, televangelists, those are successful ministries by um, the measure of some. But instead, Jesus' ministry is encountering widespread opposition, rejection, animosity. It's going to turn deadly. And Jesus calls his disciples to carry the cross and to suffer rejection for the sake of his name until the end of the age. And at this point now, Jesus' own mother and his brothers come to try to speak to him, try to talk some sense into him. Mark tells us that they think he's out of his mind. In the face of this widespread opposition, Jesus speaks in parables. And in fact, it's right after his family comes that he speaks this parable about the sower. Jesus said, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus, in this parable, maybe is kind of uh, giving a reason, kind of giving a, a picture of why things aren't as the disciples might think they should be. God's word is going out. 
The good news of the kingdom is being preached. Opposition is rising, yes, and it may look like things are unraveling, yes, but God is in control. This is Jesus' message here. His word is living, it is active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And God has said this through the prophet Isaiah. He said, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. It doesn't matter what things look like. God is working. I would venture to guess that nobody has heard of Ludwig Nummensen. He was a faithful sower of God's word. He was also a German Lutheran. He was a missionary who came from a small island near Denmark. And in 1862, he was sent by the Rhenish Mission Society in Barman, Germany, to Sumatra in Indonesia. And he faithfully sowed the seed to the Batak tribes for decades. In the face of all kinds of opposition, and rejection. He labored hard, but it wasn't for three years until he had the first baptism. Thirteen years after that, before he completed his translation of the New Testament into their language. Namensen's efforts were often hampered by the political powers of the day, by the king by other tribal chiefs. But Namensen was sustained by God and encouraged in his work. In total, Namensen sowed God's word among the Batak people for 55 years until he died at the age of 84 in 1918. And although in those early years it seemed like he wasn't getting anywhere, it seemed like God's word was impotent and nothing was happening, that all of the places where he was sowing the seed were hard path or weed infested ground or full of birds taking the seed away. Although it seemed that way, when Namensen died, there were 180,000 Batak Lutherans in Sumatra. Direct fruit of this one missionary preaching, teaching, translating, and sowing seeds for over 50 years. The person who wrote that article about Pastor Namensen uh, was uh, part of the Lutheran Church in Australia, and he puts this note at the bottom that many postgraduate students have gone to study from Sumatra have gone to study at the Australian Lutheran College in Adelaide, Australia. And today the Batak Lutheran Church is a thriving Asian Lutheran community. Regardless of what things look like, God is accomplishing his work of salvation. 
the seed produces fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. This uh, parable, you know, does have some oddities in it, as many of Jesus' parables do. The gospel is being preached everywhere. The seed is being sown and thrown everywhere. It seems that this sower is very wasteful of the seed. Only a quarter of it goes on the good ground. He throws three quarters of that seed, that precious seed, into the hardened path, into the rocks, into the deep weeds. But it does show that the gospel will be preached everywhere. The call to repent, to turn to the Lord, to believe in Jesus is broadcast everywhere. It's broadcast to those in Jerusalem, to the leadership that opposes Jesus, that's seeking to have him killed, the, the group that should have welcomed their Messiah, but instead they've hardened their hearts like that hard path against that seed, against God's grace. The gospel is preached to the entire Roman world, to a world full of the cacophony of self-made gods and goddesses. This seed that speaks of one God, one true God, who will bear their sins to the cross. That loving word is proclaimed even to men who will kill the Christ to those who will persecute the church all the way down through the centuries, even to the church today, even to our own society that, where it seems that all religions are to be tolerated except one. The sower sows the seed of the word everywhere and to everyone because that sower would have all people to be saved. But John says, men love darkness rather than the light. And still, the God of love sows that seed. The word is sown in ears that are deaf, in hearts that are hardened against God. In some it finds brief root, but then when tribulation and persecution come, that person abandons the word, abandons the faith, and falls away. And for others, for many, the cares of the world, the love of riches, choke out the word. And it begins to seem like foolishness to them. Why is it that anybody believes? Who is that good ground? When all have sinned, when all have fallen short of the glory of God. When no one is righteous, not even one. When we are dead in our trespasses and sins, who is that good ground where the word can take root and produce fruit? We could go in that direction. We can say, how do I become good ground? How, what do I need to do? How can I make myself open? How can I make myself good soil? Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Tell us, Jesus, what makes that good soil? The answer is 
Nothing. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to make yourself good soil. But God can do it. He makes the good soil when that word produces faith in your heart to believe the good news of Jesus sent to be your savior from sin. Your faith in Christ is not a testament to you and to how good, what good soil you are. Your faith in Christ is a testament to God's grace and God's mercy and his powerful action in his word. God's power is what creates faith in our hearts. His power working through the Holy Spirit. And how do we who have this gift of faith, how do we allow that faith to grow and to increase? And I would say it's through daily repentance, through the repentance and contrition for our sins, by acknowledging daily that Jesus Christ has purchased and won us, lost and condemned people though we are, won us from sin, death, and the devil, not with silver or gold, as we say, but with his own precious blood, and that he sustains us, upholds us in the faith by his power alone, through his Holy Spirit, whom he has given to you and to me as a gift in our baptism. We are good soil because God's word has taken root, that word of law and gospel, the word that kills and makes alive, driving us through the law to repent, to confess our sins, pouring the sweet balm of the gospel of God's grace on our souls and giving us peace. And this parable might serve as a warning to us not to let the cares of the world or the desires of our own heart supplant the gospel that we have believed that Jesus Christ came to suffer and die for our sins to rise for our justification don't harden your heart this day to begin to think that you are alright without God but instead cling tenaciously to that word gather with the church of God not just once in a while but every Sunday engage in a study of the Bible uh, on your own but with others too read, mark, learn inwardly digest that word let that active word sink in and take root and produce fruit in your life the word is powerful it is God-breathed. And the Holy Spirit continues today to work through it. And the Word is working in your life, calling you to repentance, assuring you of the mercy and the grace of our Heavenly Father, giving you peace in the midst of a world that is unraveling and collapsing that is tossed to and fro as it searches for truth, searches for stability, searches for bedrock, everywhere except where it can be found in God's holy word. The seed is being sown and it is producing a harvest for God. And that kingdom of God stands firm and forever 
on the rock that is Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.